Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury. Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast. You're stuck with me again, Erin. Um, but we also have Susanna Jateau. She is our headache nutritionist. Um, do check back um, in season one. She came on and did a really great show on healthy eating for your brain and um, you know different foods that may help your head, that may help prevent headaches. But if you remember, she is not a uh, food Nazi. Um, she's not the, you got to cut all gluten, all sugar, all alcohol, all fun, all the time. She's a little more realistic. Um, Susanna has a new program called Headaches Handled, um, which has kind of a different take on using nutrition to help headaches. And I'm so excited to have her on because I have had the worst migraines of my life for like three months. Um, so I'm really excited to learn more. Welcome, Susanna. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry. The last three months have not been good. Let's uh, let's see if we no. can think of a few tips to, to work with that. Yeah, I think, you know, when you first came on the show, I was in my head, I was like, I don't have migraines. I just had a brain injury. It's normal to have a headache every day. Mm-hmm. Well, come to find out, right. it's not so normal, even after a brain injury, to have a headache every day. And, um, absolutely that, uh, to me, that was kind of earth shattering for some reason. I just didn't put it together that brain injury doesn't mean headache. I thought the two were synonymous. I thought the same after mine. So it's not, it's a different form of brain injury in that I had a brain surgery. So I consider it a brain injury because of the very much the nice so. going in there. <laughs> it was literally, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, for the whole year after constant daily headaches. And I was like, I thought it was normal, especially because the doctors kind of just shrugged and said, okay, well, hopefully it'll go away soon. Um, So I just thought it was Mm -hmm. part of the recovery process and that everyone dealt with it. But not normal, not true. Yeah, not true at all. And then, you know, there is that line at which a headache becomes a migraine. Um, And you are probably a little more versed in talking about the difference between those. So maybe we go into that. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) So, yes. So there is a huge difference between migraine and headache. And you'll see, especially in a lot of migraine communities, they'll always point out like migraine is not a headache. But what they're comparing is, you know, the regular everyday headache um, that the average population will experience at some point. So whether they didn't sleep well the night before, or it's all very similar triggers and everything. But I would also say that a chronic headache is not a headache either. So anything Mm. that's debilitating is what we're talking about. You and I, like what you're, if it's affecting your life, that is either a a chronic headache or a debilitating headache. And a migraine is also very debilitating. Now, the main difference between the two would be the symptoms associated with the headache piece. So there are some subforms of migraine. There are so many different types of migraine, but there's one called vestibular migraine where people don't even necessarily deal with the headache component, the head pain. Mm. Um, and then still the majority of people do deal with the head 
headache component. And then also additional things like um, sound sensitivity, light sensitivity, uh, strong pain on one side of their head versus both sides. And a lot of people experience nausea, vomiting, and just completely have to lie down in a dark room to um, even be able to tolerate it. So those are kind of the big differences is if you have three different, uh, you know, if you either have the sound sensitivity or the, so it, I, f I find a lot of people, especially in the traumatic brain injury or the concussion communities, often we're saying we have headaches when actually it is a migraine because I don't know about you, but like sound sensitivity was a huge thing for me. So was light sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. never knew it was a migraine for a long time because it it wasn't like it's a genetic something. reason or I didn't develop it when I was a kid. Like we had a reason for it, for it starting. Right. Right. And I, you know, I, the interesting, you mentioned the kid, I had migraines as a kid because I had meningitis as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, you know, that's literally an infection of your spinal column and the meninges, the layers that um, circulate around your brain. Um, and I had horrible migraines after that, but they were like 10 out of 10 headache pain, want to puke, um, had to go to bed. That was the only way to get it to go away. Then I, you know, fast forward, yeah. I don't know, that happened when I was 12. And then I had my stroke when I was 36. I pretty much had no migraines anymore. I'd had one three years prior that was related to an allergy attack. And, you know, I got the ocular mm -hmm. symptoms, but I hadn't had anything in three years. Mm -hmm. So when I had my brain injury and I had my stroke... I had that constant head pain, which I just kind of learned to live with. And it wasn't bad. It was pain of like a one to a three. You know, it was just kind of there, irritating, but okay. I could live with it. But it was the aura and it was all those marching symptoms that I found mm -hmm. out that that is a migraine. That's not you having a stroke again. Right. That's how your migraine manifests itself. Like for me, I get buzzing mm -hmm. and tingling on the left side of my face and then my left arm gets weaker. Okay. Um, or it feels weaker. I don't actually lose strength. It just it's a sensation thing. And then my leg and then right. I start slurring my words and this side, you know, the other side will get Ugh. like I didn't realize that all of that is migraine until I went to the hospital thinking, geez, I'm having another stroke because <laughs> all, you know, left side. Did they diagnose you with hemiplegic migraine is that, or what what was the diagnosis? Because there's they called again, it so many different complex subtypes. migraines. Complex, yeah, complex. Okay, because a lot of that, like so the left the side, subtypes. especially the yeah. the tingling, um, a lot of the tingling and stuff could definitely be hemiplegic. But in the end, my you know, in the end, a lot of us do deal with migraine. Do you feel comfortable talking about some of the different subtypes, subsets, or is that a little outside um, of your scope? Yeah, I'd say that's more out of my scope because that's more of a diagnosis. Okay. So diagnosis yeah. is, yeah, it would be with the doctors. But yeah, there's so many different types. Yeah. And in the end, it doesn't always, it it helps to be able to identify with something, right? And it helps to be able to, to describe mm -hmm. your symptoms and to realize that you're not alone and be like, okay, other people have dealt with this mm -hmm. too. Because um, it's very lonely, mm -hmm. right? It's like, I... Yeah, you, know, you don't realize that there's other people out there that are dealing with what you deal with. So getting a diagnosis is really helpful in that sense. But in terms of treatment, 
um, or like approaches, especially when it comes to nutrition and nutrition approaches, it's, it's more looking at the overall, like the arching, Hey, these are debilitating. Yeah. And here are the things that we can do about it. If you or someone, you know, is struggling to recover after brain injury, like a stroke, take a free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to see if their robots can help boost your recovery. If you are struggling with stroke recovery, take the free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to learn if Modus can help you recover. And a quick shout out to our sponsor, Headache Nutritionist. Be sure to check her out at www.headachenutritionist.com. Generous sponsors like Susanna and donations are what keep us on air. Thank you. So you raise a really cool point about the fact that getting the label helps you find, kind of helps you find your tribe, right? Like, okay, now I know that I'm not just a crazy person that loses function on my left side with a headache every day. I have complex migraines. Okay, who else has complex migraines? Let's reach out. Let's do a podcast. Let's you know, who, who are my people? Like you can find people on Instagram. There's different support groups. Um, it really does help to know. It sounds so negative. Misery loves company, but I think that is a way to turn your misery from something miserable to something identifiable and something treatable because it gives you, you know, we're all just bouncing ideas off each other. Like I tried this, I tried that, I tried this. Um, So I I would suspect that's how a lot of people find you. They're like, okay, I need my tribe. (laughs) Who's in my tribe? Absolutely. Right, right. We need, and it's not just, it's misery. It's it's helpful to know that other people are are in a tough space and you get so many ideas from what other people have tried. And then, you know, say you never heard that acupuncture can be helpful, then now you know that that's an approach that you can try try out because someone else it's effective for. And especially because all migraine conditions are so complex, there are a gazillion different approaches and not everything works for everyone. So that's, it's, it's tough. So you're always on that search for what can I try next? And it's always, it's, you get through it, you go, you keep trying and you don't give up, don't give, never give up hope, but keep going through um, each new step and, and trying to find that what works for you. And I think that's really important to remember the fact that if it worked for someone else, it might not work for you. But the, mm-hmm. the goal is finding all the tools to build the house. This is my newest analogy. I love analogies. Oh, I like that. Um, so, you know, with... Yeah, like you could build a house maybe with just a hammer. It would be super hard and you probably would have a pretty <laughs> debilitated looking house. Um, it'd probably be more of a shack, right? <laughs> but maybe, maybe you could do it with just that one tool. But why? Why would you when you live next to Home Depot and you can get the power saw and all the, you know, all the supplies you need, the drills, the the little nail guns and all that? Like why why would you when there's a better way to do it? So I kind of, I think of our community like that. And when you reach out to others, it's just a way of finding other tools. Like, and, and that's also in your healthcare, like to think that you're going to go to one doctor and that one doctor is going to be the everything for you and solve all your problems. um, You know, maybe, maybe there is that gem out there, 
but probably it's going to take you having a couple doctors, um, a nutritionist, an mm-hmm. acupuncturist, a speech, PT, OT, you know, like you're going to have a lot of different people involved. Optometry, All the different contractors. Um, <laughs> yes, you need all of them, right? Yes. And then you're going to build a mansion instead of your little ramshackled shack. So um, it's just a different way to think about it that I think, yeah, a lot of us want the one pill fits all. And I just don't think that solution is really viable for most of us in healthcare. Uh, Yeah, it's not realistic, I don't think. Yeah. So, Susanna, when people reach out to you, you know, they have headaches, they maybe identify as just headaches or they identify as migraines or something more. Um, in the past, you did like nutritional counseling and that sort of stuff, but you have a new program out, um, Headaches Handle. Yes, I'm very I do. interested in hearing what so this I is d- all about. Okay, awesome. I do still do one on one with people, and that's a three month program where it's one on one. And that's really effective, but it's it's very costly to do one on one services. So it's, it's first someone who's willing to do a a fairly large investment and to do a lot of functional nutrition tests at the same time so that we can get more answers. So I really wanted to create a program that is more um, affordable for for people and where it's more of creating that community where people are learning from each other, asking questions. And, you know, whenever someone asks a question, that always sparks interest where it's like, oh, I never thought of that. And and we can all really learn from each other and, and together. So that's what made me want to do this program. And then in addition to that is one of the main treat, um, treatment plans that I have had extreme success with in my own headache journey has been therapeutic fasting. And I always get lots of interest in this whenever I post on Instagram or on Facebook or even to my my email list is I always get lots of questions around fasting and trying to implement fasting. So I decided to make this program specifically on that for those who are, are ready to try that approach because um, I believe I'm fairly unique in in covering fasting for headaches. Mm. So can we um, break up fasting a little bit? Because I think that term has been in our workout community and probably Mm -hmm. not being done in a way that is necessarily healthy. At least the examples that I've seen of people who have fasted in my life, it's pretty much being anorexic for a period of time and then having a little bit of food Mm -hmm. and then being anorexic again. Um, yeah, you lose a lot of weight, but I hate that approach that I've seen doing it. Yeah. They just, they don't look healthy to me. They don't seem like they're healthy. Mm -hmm. They're almost too skinny or too like, so what, what is fasting? Cause to me, it has kind of a negative connotation right now. Absolutely. And that's where it does come in as a fad, right? You often hear like, oh, fasting is just a fad and stuff. And it is a fad when people approach it that way, right? Where they're just looking to lose extreme amounts of weight really quickly. And then they're not eating properly and not nourishing their body properly. And uh, also fasting did get traction due to the weight loss benefit. But that was that. Fasting has never 
really been for for weight loss that's more of a side effect if people are looking for that like i myself am not looking for weight loss and i keep a steady weight all the time um regardless of fasting several times a week so getting into so where can fasting be really beneficial and this is why i refer to it as therapeutic fasting rather than intermittent fasting which it is therapeutic fasting is intermittent or periodic but the purpose is to reverse chronic conditions. So there's a lot of evidence about, you know, uh, fasting's benefit on brain health. Fasting gets you into ketosis. So rather than following a ketogenic diet, which is very restrictive, you can eat a normal diet, but doing some periodic fasting can allow you to use ketones, which can be very beneficial to the brain. And ways that it is beneficial to the brain is that it gives... Um, it gives different amounts of, it gives more energy than glucose molecules, and it can also cross the blood-brain barrier easier than glucose does. So especially during times of a migraine attack where glucose doesn't enter into the neurons as, as effectively as ketones do, then it's an alternate fuel so that you get through a migraine attack much quicker. And eventually, as your body gets used to using ketones more often, um, it it can even completely reverse it because you're using ketones on a regular basis and your body can can adapt and switch to that uh, before an attack happens. So that's called dysregulation of, of glucose. And that's just one, uh, one theory out there about why we do get migraine attacks. And I think it's um, something that's pretty common in brain injury too, is that our bodies chemically you know, your brain controls everything. It's the epicenter. And there's all these chemical processes that go on in the background that you aren't ever consciously aware of. And then you have a brain injury and it messes up some of that, especially like people that have had brain injuries near their brain stem. That's where most of that is regulated um, or midbrain. Mm -hmm. um, that's where mine was. And it really messes up responses. And I'm not even fully aware of all the things that got messed up, but I know a lot of them were. <laughs> I was on fluid restrictions for yeah. a long time because things weren't going right. Um, and so glucose mm -hmm. is one of those things that gets messed up and your cells aren't using it the way they used to. Um, so this is a Absolutely. really interesting concept to me. Um, and I'm, I'm yeah. nerdy. I love the clinical science. So um, I'm happy to talk. <laughs> I don't know a lot of it. I need to learn, but um, okay. <laughs> I'm willing to nerd out with you. If yeah, you I always go try, to, try to um, keep it. A bit, I, I try to keep it a bit uh, general as we talk about it, because for most people, mm -hmm. this is a completely new concept even. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like what? Like fasting mm -hmm. for headaches um, or for brain health. And um, but in my program, I get a bit deeper into the science. So, because I think it's really important to understand the mechanisms around it in order mm -hmm. to really feel aligned and to stick with it during the short period to see if it actually makes an effect, because it's certainly not a, a magic bullet. It doesn't, uh, improvements aren't immediate as it would be with a, a medical approach, but instead, usually within four to eight weeks, people are starting to see benefits. And then it's, it's like a train leaving the station. It's, it's slow to take off, but then it really starts gaining momentum and gaining speed. And then you start seeing more and more uh, benefits as, as we go along. But just to so that add, kind so of there's nice the ketone medicines. approach. Oh, sorry. Okay. 
I was just going to say that sounds kind of nice. Like I'm willing to put in the four to eight weeks of work to have ongoing effects. Because when, you know, when you get started on medication, what I've found is it works really well for like two weeks. I'm like, holy crap, I had a day with no headache. And then three weeks later, I'm back to having headaches. And I'm like, where did the response Mm -hmm. go? So you're saying that if you kind of set yourself up for success and put the work in, you can get the result long term. Okay. Exactly. And you never know with the medication, like, well, now do I go off it because it's no longer effective or do I stick with it longer? And then you kind of get stuck in that medication cycle too. Um, And it's very similar with migraine uh, medications too, which are typically a bit different than the, the chronic headache medications, but often they'll work, you know, for a certain period of time, whether that be months or years, and then things start coming back and, So definitely once you have an approach that you've got things more or less under control, that's when it's the best time to really approach nutrition strategies to get it down further so that you can eventually wean off uh, medications too. Interesting. So you want to have that medical approach and have at least, you know, not not be debilitated to the point where you can't get out of bed every day because you're a migraine. You need to have it a little bit under control to start dietary. Is that what you just said? Yes, I would say that only because you need to be functional, right? So if you're functional and you're not on medications, then sure, that is a great time to address nutritional. But I think for a lot of a lot of us, you're barely able to work. You can't. um, I mean, just function during the day, like making your own meals and, and all the things where it, rather than having to lie down in a dark room. And like, uh, also I would say on top of that is if you just had a brain injury, then you do want that recovery time before you would ever consider fasting. So what I say is a good, have a good year of recovery. So, um, just where your brain can heal before you add anything new to it, because our brains are very resistant to change that we want to make sure that we're healed for as much as possible. And then once things are no longer progressing, that's a good time to, to try a new strategy like this. That is super important advice. And, um, the whole reason, you know, this whole time I've been like, man, I really wish I could have worked with Susanna, but last time we talked, I was like six months out. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I couldn't take on anything. No. So yeah, so so that that's really good advice. Um, now you're still, you're making me think about, you had a webinar lately or recently that I attended um, and you talked about some of the myths that kind of go with nutrition and fasting and um, headache management. Um, maybe we can touch on some of those because those are questions that are rising. Like I hear fasting and I hear, no, I'm supposed to eat every couple hours so I don't get a headache. Um, that's what I've been told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. Can we talk about that a little? So this yeah. really comes down to uh, it. Really comes down to that whether your body is using ketones or glucose, or whether they're using both. So if you think back in our ancestor times, we definitely used both. Even if you think back uh, before electricity. Even then, we used both because people weren't eating in the evenings because they didn't have electricity to eat in the evenings. 
Um, but it's more in today's modern world that we're eating during all waking hours, which means we're completely reliant on glucose. So when we're completely reliant on glucose, we do need to eat every three to four hours because we're needing that constant surge of glucose going to the brain. So it's all about retraining the body to be able to use ketones as fuel as well. And that is a very gradual process to retrain the body to be able to use both. So fasting would start very slowly, especially in our community. We can't just jump in like some other people might be able to. It's, it's really a, a gradual approach. It's really important. So that is one hesitation that a lot of people have. They say, like, what do you mean? Like, uh, either I'm eating, I need to eat every three to four hours. So that's accurate. If you're, if you're completely glucose reliant, you do likely need to eat that often. But our bodies are well prepared for having periods of feasting and fasting. So periods where we're not eating and then that's where our, you know, our genetics and our our bodies are ready to go out and find food. So during that time we become more alert, we become more energetic, our brain fog goes away and these are all some of the, some of those benefits of fasting that we experience in today's modern world if we if we just allowed our bodies to have some of that gut rest. So because that's another benefit of, of fasting is that when your body isn't busy or when your gut isn't busy digesting food all the time, it can focus on healing instead. And it can focus on cellular cleanup, repair, um, regeneration of cells. So that is, it's called autophagy. That is the best benefit. So we're talking about kind of ketones and glucose, but I would say even better than that is the autophagy that happens. Um, and that cellular repair that happens in your brain as well. So it just, it, it adds a lot of healing or helps with a lot of healing. Yeah. I mean, that's why our bodies literally need rest. And once you've had a brain injury, you need it more. And that that's kind of what you're saying is that rest time allows us to repair. And so if you're constantly like mm -hmm. jamming food in, and then headed off to bed for what, your eight hours, and then you wake right up and what do you do? You get that cup of coffee, get some food going again. Um, you're really not giving your body time to rest and heal. I have a feeling exactly. it takes longer Especially than eight our hours gut. to repair all the damage. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Because our, our gut, like even when we do go to bed, so for say we allow ourselves that eight hours of sleep, which hopefully we all are doing, but um, in that eight hour period, because we're sleeping, our whole metabolism slows down quite significantly. So when it normally takes four hours to digest food, it would actually probably take that full eight hours. So you're not actually getting that much gut rest um, while you're sleeping in modern society where we're eating um, studies show that we're eating over a 16 hour period, especially when you compare weekdays compared to weekends is that even if people mm -hmm. typically stop eating at eight on a weekday on a weekend, they might go to 11. So overall we're, we are eating more or less around the clock and we just, yeah, we're not allowing that gut rest and a lot of our gut microbiome and uh, bacteria, there's certain types of bacteria that thrive when there's no food. And our gut microbiome is really what determines our overall health too, because 90% of our, 
what is it, 90% of our cells are bacteria. Um, so, so it's important for, for them too to, to have some periods of fasting. And it, and it shouldn't be extreme. Like I, as you mentioned earlier, you've, you've seen people where it's like every single day they're fasting and um, that it, it's more a way to restrict food. And I don't agree with that approach at all. Of course, I'm not in the weight loss community. Um, and I turn people away if that's their primary, if that's their primary objective, then my program is definitely not the right approach for that. Because the goal with my program is to keep food intake very consistent in, uh, in overall macronutrients and stuff and, and energy that we're eating the same amount in a week period, but that the daily period doesn't necessarily have to look the same every day. So is there an ideal daily period that we should be eating? Or is there a flip to that question? Is there an ideal period of time that we shouldn't be eating? It sounds like we need more time than just the time we're in bed. We need some waking hours of not eating too. Yes, absolutely. So there's a lot of really great research on uh, time-restricted eating. So especially from Dr. Sachin Panda, in case anyone wants to look him up, he has a very, some very good tech, TED Talks and stuff. Um, so his research indicates that even 12 hours of eating and 12 hours of fasting makes a drastic difference on people's long-term health. And this was first proven in animal studies and has now been proven in human studies. So even starting with that 12 hours a day of, of fasting can make a drastic difference, especially if your eating periods are during daylight hours, because that is, that is following circadian rhythms. And every single organ in our body also has a circadian rhythm. So when you're eating during daylight hours, you're following your you're recognizing kind of all those circadian rhythms and being respectful to them, if you will. Um, so I do feel if just as a large population, the whole, if the whole world kind of followed that, we'd have a lot fewer illnesses and diseases and stuff. But because we are a population group that has more conditions or, you know, that we have something we need to address. We have had it, we're having headaches and what is the root cause of that? So therapeutic fasting is longer periods of fasting to uh, enable the healing and to focus on the healing uh, aspect of fasting. So longer fast, but um, not daily. So longer than 12 hours, but only a few times a week. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So something um, that, that works well for me and very I, doable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry, and it, and it's building up slowly too. That's okay. Uh, it's building up, it's building up slowly too. So it's not, um, it's not jumping into a 24 hour fast, which fa- sounds very scary. I was in that place too. I was like, I can't do that. Like I can't even go four hours without a snack of some sort, or I can't leave the house without, you know, a snack bar in my purse and, and an orange or something. So it's, it's really building up to that slowly and a few, adding a bunch of nutrition tricks at the same time. So that's what I guide people through in my program is like, what are the nutrition steps to follow? Um, how can you make sure that you're eating enough? How can you make sure that you're doing things safely? 
um, that you're like paying attention to how your body's feeling. So there's certain days that, you know, you just don't feel up for things and that wouldn't be in an ideal fasting day. Um, but also working into it, planning your meal before a fast and after a fast is really important. Um, just making sure balanced meals and targeting gut health strategies at the same time as fasting are just that combination effect is what makes all the difference. Mm. And I love what you're pointing out here is this isn't like you just wake up in the morning one day and say, I'm not going to eat today. Um, there's prep to this. It's not, you, your body needs to be ready so that it doesn't loop back into that little starvation mode of, um, which you'd have to remind me how that works. But I know, you know, we, we end up tapping into glucose stores and doing all the things we're trying to prevent with a fast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a really good point is we're not just jumping into it and that's the difference. So often people come to me and say, Oh, well, if I don't eat, if I don't, if I miss a meal or if I skip a meal, I get a headache or I get a migraine attack. Like no matter what, it's a trigger. Absolutely. It's a trigger when you're completely glucose reliant. If you're using hundred percent glucose and then one day you skip a meal because you're too busy that day, or, you know, you, you have a lot of lunch meetings and stuff and you're just unable to eat. That is very different than a strategic fasting day where you're paying attention to what you ate the leading into the meal or into the fast. And you're paying attention to how you're ending it and you're gradually building up to all of a sudden jump in and, you know, not eat for an eight hour period or even a six hour period when you're very reliant on the glucose, let alone the stress of what probably happened that day is, you know, if you're doing all these lunch meetings and stuff, it's likely you're also having a stressful day. Um, And that would be a large trigger too. So is it that you skipped a meal? Probably. Is it that you're stressed? Probably. And it's like all these combination effects that would lead to that. But that's not the same thing as properly implementing a fasting plan and and uh, doing it gradually. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after a stroke? Modus Nova makes robotic devices to help folks with a brain injury regain the use of their affected limbs. Recovery after stroke takes thousands of hours of work that isn't all covered in outpatient therapy. Whether you're 10 days or 10 years post-stroke, recovery is still possible. You just need many hours of rehab to make that happen. The Modus hand or foot are AI-powered robotic exoskeletons that help users do exercises through the playing of video games similar to the way an occupational or physical therapist might work with your limb. Recovery after stroke is hard because stroke survivors don't get enough hours of rehab to regain function. Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash making headway. Modus Nova help survivors with little or no movement get moving again. They help you get in the repetitions you need to form new neural pathways. Through playing video games, the robotic hand and foot can assist with limb movements to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit modusnova.com slash making headway to learn more.
make sure to use special code making headway when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge. Visit modusnova.com slash making headway to get started. That's M-O-T-U-S-N-O-V-A dot com slash making headway. And I'm hearing you've brought up several times that um, your emotions and how you're feeling play into whether or not it's the right day to do something like this. Um, that's a new approach. I've never, I've never really considered my feelings. Like, am I stressed out today? I've never considered that when I'm choosing my food. It's I'm stressed out today. What's the fastest thing to grab? Because I don't have time that I have, but that's, Mm. that's an interesting. Yeah. Can you, can you say anything about that? Yeah, no, Absolutely. Uh, I think that's a really important um, part of fasting is that you it's you start to tap into your own intuition much more because you're having those periods where you might be feeling a bit hungry. And there's a lot of strategies to deal with that, too. Um, but you're feeling more hungry. You're being in tune with your body. When is actual hunger versus when is time on the clock hunger or uh, because you know, you usually eat lunch every day at 12, then you start to feel hungry at that time. Is that genuine hunger or is it just the time on the clock? Um, And then also, I I think you notice the difference with your mood. You notice the difference between um, like anxiety levels. All of that seemed to be much better on fasting days that most, so most people find that and they start to tap into other little Uh, stuff in their daily life like oh on the day I know that I'm going to a wedding this weekend so I better eat a little bit differently leading into that wedding or I might have you know a fasting day the day before the wedding so I feel my best at the wedding Mm -hmm. Um, because it's it's all all these different triggers in our life really add up and they fill up the headache bucket so I think in our in our first interview, I talked about the headache bucket and how all kinds of it can be weather that goes into that headache bucket is stress and poor sleep and uh, what we're eating, whether there's food sensitivities, all these things go into that headache bucket. But how are we emptying that headache bucket? One way is stress relief mechanisms, physical activity, and fasting is another one of those ways. And it can really help empty that bucket so that we're not constantly on that brink of filling it up and it overflowing. And that's when a a debilitating headache would happen is when that, that bucket is really, really full. So Susanna, I really love that analogy of headaches being a bucket And the triggers are all the things that get in that bucket. And once that bucket's full, boom, headache. Uh, How does your program address some of that? Yes. So the program is really all about addressing that headache bucket. So the, the first part is really everyone understanding all the different parts that go into that headache bucket and then the ones that we do have control over. So some things that we have control over is our quality of foods, how many vegetables we have in our diet, how much fiber we have in our diet, um, our eating times. So whether we're following our circadian rhythms and uh, what are some other things? Oh, uh, nutrition, like food sensitivities. Often once we're allowing gut rest, food sensitivities actually decrease. Um, So 
we we start with the headache bucket and then we we really go through all of the ways that we can start lowering that headache bucket because that's where the benefits really come in. And with fasting, it's covering many different areas. So it's covering gut health. We need to improve gut health in order for brain health to happen. And then it addresses brain health as well. So what are some things in our brain? So there's the nutrition aspect, but there's also the autophagy aspect, which I mentioned earlier is that whole repair of neurons and helping regenerate new neurons. So BDNF is a molecule that increases while we're fasting and BDNF is is something in our brain that is responsible for uh, regenerating new neurons. Um, they found that when people have higher levels of BDNF, they're less likely to get Alzheimer's and some of those things, um, some, some of those conditions that, that come either with age, but come with neuronal, um, what's the word? So neuronal injury, I guess might be the, the best way to put it is so fasting can really help with connection of neurons. Um, so it really addresses that brain health aspect, the gut health aspect, the, um, mitochondria aspect is another way that, so having, um, studies show that if you're doing periods of fasting, that your mitochondria become more and more robust so that your energy levels also increase because of that mitochondria in, um, becoming more robust. And what are some other ways? There's just so many ways that it's addressing things from a root cause. And then of course we address things from the nutrition side of things too. What are more foods to include? What are foods just to eat less often? I don't follow any type of elimination diet or any type of food sensitivities approach. I do do food sensitivities for my one-on-one approach if someone wants to go that route. But for this type of program, when you're addressing things from the root cause, you rarely need to focus on something like food sensitivities. That's really interesting that you say that. Um, you know, we've we've had um, many people kind of point out that food sensitivities may be what's causing your symptom. But what I'm hearing you say is that by allowing your gut to have rest and to have, I'm going to slaughter the word, autophagy. Um, mm-hmm. by allowing that rest and repair cycle to occur, you're actually going to beef up your tolerance to many different foods, which for this brain injured girl, I have very poor, um, attention and I have problems regulating myself. So to be told that I can't eat whole groups of food was just an instant turnoff and not something that I thought I would ever be able to handle. So I, I really, this approach is super interesting um, and sounds very doable um, without having to cut out everything I love in life because I'm a foodie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's why I love it so much too, because going through those elimination dietlets, I like no, I do not want to cut out cheese. I do not want to cut out bread. I do not want to, you know, there's every, all of your favorite foods are usually on those lists. And I just wasn't interested in that approach. So I kept digging further and all of these food sensitivities, there's a reason why those food sensitivities are happening. And usually it's that our, our 
there's some injury to our gut as well. What leaky gut where food is passing through the membrane wall when it shouldn't be before it's completely digested causes inflammation as it goes through the wall. And it's that inflammation that those certain foods are causing inflammation and that travels to the brain. So food sensitivities cause the headaches in that sense. But when we're addressing things at a lower level than that, it's all about healing the gut and it giving that gut rest so that food sensitivities are no longer an issue because food sensitivities they continue, usually they continue growing so and they change throughout life. So you may even figure out all of your food sensitivities one year and then the next year is completely different uh, because the, the healing hasn't happened. So we need to repair. Um, and then only in, only in situations where that's not enough and you need to go a bit further, there are certainly, we all have different degrees of severity that for some people, they might need to take all the approaches at the same time, or at least one after the other, you might have to do all the approaches. But I think for the majority of us, a fasting approach covers enough of the different root causes that it it helps enough on its own. Uh, most people, the brain fog lifts first, and then uh, headaches start improving. Um, then a lot of people are able to you know, decrease their medication, uh, eventually with longer time can cut the medication completely. So I've seen lots of successful stories like that, including my own. So for myself, within four weeks, I had cut my meds in half. Within eight weeks, I was off them completely. I've been three years, over three years, migraine free and chronic headache free now. Um, so I'm, I'm better than the average population in terms of headaches. Now I might you know, I get a headache if I didn't sleep very much, but even then it's every couple of months maybe that I would get a headache. And the big difference is that something like an Advil actually has an effect where it never used to. What a completely doable way of looking at this. Um, it is in no way daunting for me to think that with the right planning and the right teaching, what I'm going to learn in the headache group and um, headaches handled, you know, I'm going to learn there how to prepare for this, but it's not daunting to me to think that I will only eat between, I don't know, seven and five or seven and seven or however long that non-eating period will be. Um, that that's, that's not a lifestyle change. That's just not having one last snack. Easy. Absolutely. And that's where we start with that 12-hour fasting. And for some people, they might only be comfortable with staying there. They can, you know, it's it's totally, I think there's plenty of benefit with studying, staying with the 12 hours. For others, uh, they're ready to kind of progress as they see more of the, you know, the summary of the evidence, what's actually happening in your body during a fast, how to deal with different hunger issues or Really, the only thing that should happen in a fast is that you feel a bit hungry. You should never feel dizzy or, you know, you should never feel weak or anything like that. And if and during a fast, you should feel quite the opposite. You should feel very energetic. Um, but that's building up to a fast. It's not just jumping into it. So, I mean, for for most people, just gradually building up as they feel comfortable um, and as they kind of realize all of the different benefits is the best approach. 
So if someone stays at 12, I would support them there. If someone wants is able to increase to 18 to 24, then there's a lot of benefits with those longer fasts because autophagy increases around hour 17 of a fast. So some longer fasts are, is where the real benefits for the brain uh, start to happen. My identical twin brother, Luke, suffered a brain injury 10 years ago. I saw firsthand how long and difficult the road to recovery is and how little support is available. Before Luke's injury, we were both engineers at the University of Oxford and we are now committed to helping others find purpose, fulfillment and happiness enabled by technology. And we need your help. We're looking for survivors, warriors and family members for feedback and testing to help us build something amazing. And we're not selling anything. Please go to newmind.co.uk forward slash making headway. That is N-E-U-M-I-N-D dot co dot uk forward slash making headway all with no spaces. Hopefully we get to chat soon. Thank you. Hey, Making Headway listeners, Susanna here from Headache Nutritionist. I know you're already aware of the power that what you eat has on your brain health, but did you also know that when you eat is equally as powerful? Focusing on this has shifted my chronic daily headaches and episodic migraine to become almost non-existent. I am now three and a half years completely migraine-free. To find out more, attend my free 50-minute training, say goodbye to persistent headaches at www.headacheshandled.com forward slash training. And what about hydration? We haven't touched upon hydration and how that factors into a fast. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great question because there, if, if anyone's heard of like Ramadan fasting, uh, where, uh, it's fasting from sunrise to sunset. So that would be dry fasting where there's no water intake and no hydration. Um, and that's a religious type of fasting. Now the fasting that we're speaking of is, is not dry fasting. So you're allowed liquids or clear, clean, it's called like clean liquids, basically. So water, herbal teas, uh, black coffee, black tea, uh, green tea. So things like that during your fast and making sure that you are well hydrated is very important, especially at the beginning of fasting when a lot of inflammation is decreasing in the body. And when inflammation is decreased, then electrolytes and water also um, leave the body, which means you end up going to the bathroom more often, which can sometimes give people the false idea that they're well hydrated because they're going to the bathroom more often when actually it's the body being going through a dehydration process. So hydration is really important. That's great to hear um, because I, I do know for my headaches, one trigger I found is if I haven't had enough water, I'm definitely more apt to have a headache. Um, and that would be my one thing that would make me be like, ooh, not fasting, but fasting allows hydration. Mind blown. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we, uh, I think probably everyone, everyone in the headache population, uh, uh, 
a trigger would be dehydration just because all of the processes in the body need proper hydration. So if we're not drinking enough, uh, it's just going to make symptoms much worse. So this style of fasting and hydration is, is very necessary. Susanna, you certainly have me highly intrigued. Um, I can't wait to dig in more to the um, headaches handled. uh, I don't know if we call it a headaches handled program. Sorry, that's the right word. Um, I can't wait to dig in more because I have many questions that kind of get into the weeds. Um, But I think this has given a really great introduction to what it is that you're offering. Um, It it is affordable. It's doable. It's not scary. Um, you know, cut out, cut out, cut out. Um, and it really focuses on what us as brain injury survivors see in a lot of our therapy and a lot of our just our de- our daily needs and way of being after an injury is we need rest and we need mindfulness. And this program really sounds like it's based on that. It's mindfully eating when you're eating. It's allowing rest for your gut to allow for healing and to decrease some of those food sensitivities and to decrease inflammation and allow for a stronger energy source of ketosis rather than this crazy glucose thing we're on. Um, You know, it, it really, you know, you're really, you're really hitting a spot in the market. I think that is so, is so needed. Um, I've, I've been following you for a long time and I read all your emails and I'm like this girl, like this girl's got something like she, I can do this. I'm not, I'm not totally turned off by her. Um, so it's amazing. And I, I thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I know others are going to be very highly peaked and want to know how to contact you and what the best way, um, is to sign up for the program. So, um, how about, uh, you know, Put it all out there. How do you want us to get you? Okay. Well, um, my website is headachenutritionist.com, but actually the best place to reach out to me would be on Instagram at headache nutritionist. And the next, um, what would it be called? Not a phase of the program, but the next time the program opens will likely be, I haven't set the exact date yet, but likely in April. Um, So if you're listening to this around that time, that would be a great time to reach out to me. And you can also email me if you don't go on Instagram. So Susanna at headachenutritionist.com or actually might as well go info at headachenutritionist.com because uh, my name can be difficult to spell. (laughs) That's excellent, Susanna. Thank you so much for being willing to share and to um, enlighten us a little bit on the world of fasting. I know you've turned um, this non-believer into someone who's at least willing to have the conversation and also starting to think about, hmm, how can I work this into my life? I need to be a part of this program to see. So I'm really excited for the work that I have to come and the work that I'm going to be able to do with you. And just thank you. Thank you for offering this. Well, thank you so much for having me and also for being open to an unconventional approach. Because I, there, there's a lot here and people are seeing some amazing benefits so we can spread the word and get more on board. And I think this will really revolutionize this, um, the, the headache and migraine comp- community completely and how we, how we address treatment.
Perfect, Susanna. Um, I don't. I couldn't have closed it out better myself, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, everyone, please do find her on Instagram um, and do reach out on email and the website. I'll put all that in the show notes. Um, also, if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Aaron underscore Making Headway Podcast. Um, that's definitely the best way to reach out. I monitor that account a lot more closely than some of our others, although we are on Facebook as well. Um, also, um, our Instagram account, Making Headway Podcast. Um, I keep a pretty close eye to that one as well. So please feel free to reach out, send a DM, let me know what you're thinking. Um, and we look forward to you guys listening again. So this is Aaron signing out for Making Headway Podcast. Talk to you next time. Hi, everyone. Making Headway Podcast is just a side project that I love. It's given me a lot of community, along with giving you guys community as well. And I really thank you for supporting me. If you'd like to do something extra, we would really appreciate it. There's a few ways you could help us out. Rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. Share us with friends, family, or anyone that you think might want to listen. Also, clicking on the links in our show notes for Amazon gives us just a small kickback, just enough to help pay those bills. If you wanted to do something more, which we would really appreciate, you can donate at www.makingheadwaypodcast.com. Lastly, we have a Patreon account as well. That's found at www.patreon.com slash makingheadwaypodcast. Anything you can do to support us really helps us out. Thank you so much. We really love you, listeners. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean.